Hey friends, this is Chidima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, SheCast episode 93. And I'm on with Lauren Shandival. She is a, um, she's a force to be reckoned with, and I'll let her introduce herself in her own words. But before that, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So tell us in your own words, um, just a little bit about yourself before we get started. Yeah, um, so I am a rising senior at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Um, I'm studying public policy with a minor in community action and social change. Awesome. So that is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast. I read a piece that you co-authored and definitely initiated. Um, so I read a piece, I do a lot of reading in higher education because I work in academia and Somehow I stumbled on this article on these students that authored a manual for how to navigate some of the financial concerns that some students have to navigate at the University of Michigan and at universities and colleges across the country. So can you tell us a little bit about that and then we'll kind of talk about what you're studying and how this all is interconnected. Yeah, um, so the guide is called Being Not Rich at UM, um, and it was written in response to um, an affordability guide that our central student government put out back in January that I think a lot of people took issue with. Um, there was, it was like a, an 87 page document, the original central sure. student government guide. Um, and there was a lot of good information in there, but the first 10 pages or so were devoted to budgeting and they had advice like, um, do your own chores instead of having a maid or sell your car or don't get a manicure every week. And it felt like a slap in the face to a lot of students who are from lower income backgrounds on campus and have to work, uh, do work study or on campus jobs to afford to live in Ann Arbor um, and would be the ones to pick up an affordability guide and wouldn't be the, the type of students to have a maid or a gardener or to be spending money recklessly. So um, the document itself is um, a crowdsourced Google Doc um, and the sharing settings are such that anyone with the link can come in and add suggestions and comments. So right now it's about, I wanna say, 88 pages long, um, and it's all advice from students, faculty members, um, alumni, and people from across the country coming in and, and contributing. That is pretty powerful. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your background and what, I mean, beyond what you've shared, why you personally took issue with the affordability guide that was put up by CSG? Yeah, my background's pretty unique. I'm from Warren, Michigan, which is a suburb just north of Detroit. It's kind of working class. Um, but after my freshman year of high school, I transferred and did school of choice and commuted to a high school in a more affluent suburb, which really prepared me to attend the University of Michigan. So coming in, I wasn't as shocked as a lot of lower income students are when they get to campus. Um, in terms of being prepared academically and also culturally, because I was kind of used to um, the type of environment that I had in high school and was now kind of scaled up at the university. So um, one thing that I've been 
pretty adamant about um, my entire college career is talking about issues of social class on campus um, and kind of identifying areas where my peers are more privileged and have some of these inherited benefits. Um, so I think the guide kind of came um, as a culmination of pointing out um, the fact that not all students on the University of Michigan's campus have that kind of privilege. Sure. So as I'm hearing you speak, um, what are some of, for someone who doesn't know um, and is unaware of their own privilege, what are some of the things that you experience as a student that comes from a lower socioeconomic status um, or a lower income home or family that you experience that someone who did not have come from that same place economically or socioeconomically would experience? What are some things that people aren't thinking about that they just assume? Right. I think um, when a lot of people think about uh, disparities between lower income and higher income students, they just think money, but really it's a, a cultural disparity as well. Like a lot of lower income students don't have a network of mentors that they can go to when asking questions about college or about internships or about, you know, career choices. Um, and a lot of these things are just, they come naturally to a lot of higher income students because they were raised in this household where they were expected to go to college, where their parents went to college um, and can kind of guide them and sometimes even like set them up with internships of their own. So, yeah, that's definitely, I mean, it's my experience. I'm actually from Ann Arbor and I went here um, a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> and I remember my senior year my mom is, was pretty well-connected, still is, even though she's retired from the university, but she spent 30-plus years here. And she told me to go talk to someone who is a family friend um, and get a job. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what I did. And I got a job, and that job lasted five years. And um, that is not something that everyone has access to. And that's what I was hearing you say is lack of access. And so what is lack of access actually, how does that manifest for people who aren't inclined to think this way, but are interested in kind of shifting their own perspectives? I think it, it comes, like I said, it's a cultural thing. So it, it comes as um, this mentality, um, I guess that you have, uh, it, when I see it on campus, it's like knowing how to network. Um, it's knowing what companies um, to apply to um, for internships or for jobs. Um, it, it's kind of this like cultural capital um, that a lot of lower income students don't have. Um, yeah, and I would say it manifests when um, students can hit up a, a family member or a family friend for an internship and, and maybe for a job um, and not think twice about it. Sure. So in thinking of disadvantages, um, you mentioned, you know, like almost like cultural competencies, but not in the way that sometimes people think. Um, it sounds like navigating, networking, navigating, um, even what classes to take, how to identify a mentor, someone that can help uh, guide you, uh, this cultural capital. What are some real 
disadvantages or real live experiences that either you have experienced or people have shared in the guide um, of how to not be rich at U of M that of this manifestation. For example, something like, um, I didn't know, and this is an example that I've pulled from my own work research, I guess. Um, I wasn't aware that I needed to wear a suit and tie um, to an interview, for example, because that's not something that this person was familiar with. Are there other things that you can kind of pull out um, of similar experiences? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking um, like building relationships with professors is a big one. Um, professors can be very intimidating to lower income students. Um, and we, and myself included, I'm guilty of this. I don't always take advantage of office hours because I don't know what to say. Um, I can't think of any questions at the time. I don't want to bother my professor. Um, whereas higher income students whose parents have been through college before and know how all of it works um, are more keen to go in there and, and create um, or form relationships with their professors, um, which can manifest um, in you know, research opportunities or mentorship, uh, whereas lower income students, I think, are less keen to do that. Sure. Makes sense. Um, so what was the thing that surprised you the most um, in the guide that CSG put out? And what is something that's comparable that actually is meaningful to people in the guide that you all have put out? And then also, what surprised you or what are things that you hadn't considered when reading the how not to be rich at U of M guide? Yeah, um, from the CSG guide, I think um, one phrase that really stood out to me was the term insource to describe doing your own chores. Um, I felt like that was a very economic way to describe something that most students do, particularly lower income students. So that really stood out to me from that. Um, I would say from our own guide, um, it's like, all of the information is is really awesome, and there are um, everything from you know employment opportunities to uh, talking about specific rental companies and how they treat their tenants um, through like free pizza delivery codes. Um, but I think what surprised me most about all of that is you know how willing people were to contribute to this document, knowing that it could help someone um, potentially. So that's been really great to see um, and watch it grow and watch it include all of this information that I could never single-handedly access or include myself. Sure, it's, so, it's true about um, you know, people coming together. Um, it's a really powerful thing to experience it and to be amongst it um, for a common you know, common good. So what, um, what do you plan on doing um, with your degree? It's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure yet. I've worked on campaigns in the past. Um, I've worked in legislative offices. I've worked for nonprofits. Um, I can't really determine right now how my interest, because I know what I'm passionate about and I know the type of work environment that I like. I can't right now determine how that's going to translate into a career. Um, but I will probably stay around Metro Detroit um, and try to 
build community. Um, there are some great organizations that are trying to build community between Macomb County, which is where I'm from, and Wayne County. Um, so uh, trying to get people from Detroit and Warren, uh, my hometown, to talk to each other and come together around common interests. So that's some work that I'm really interested in plugging into. That's awesome. Now I wanted to shift back and then we'll come back this way, but shift to this idea of impact versus intent. Mm -hmm. Um, CSG did not intend to be hurtful. I would imagine. Mm -hmm. I, I believe, and I want to believe that they intended to be helpful. Um, some of the words that I was hearing was tone deaf um, with regards to the guide that they put out, the affordability guide. So can you speak to um, kind of that um, dichotomy of intent versus impact? Right. Um, and I want to say first and foremost that the previous assembly, the one that wrote the guide, was incredible. They did a lot of really amazing work. Um, but uh, one thing that they mentioned, especially when we were meeting with them after um, our guide came out to kind of reconcile the two versions, they said um, because of their position representing the entire student body, they had to write something that the average U of M student could benefit from. Um, and when you attend a university where 66% uh, of the student body is in the top 20%, the average student is you know skews a little bit wealthier than than most people so um what they said is some information in there might seem um, obvious to a lot of students particularly lower income students but it could be beneficial to someone who might have a maid service or um might be spending money kind of recklessly um and they might find that advice appealing um so that's, I, that's what they were going for. They, they mentioned that they didn't want to tokenize lower income students, um, particularly because the composition of CSG is traditionally pretty wealthier than the, the rest of the student body. Um, so that's what they were going for, something that all students could benefit from. But uh, I think a lot of students who did end up opening an affordability guide because they needed um, tips because they're they're struggling to stay afloat on this campus um, were taken aback by some of the advice in there. Sure. So when you say struggling, and I recently had a meeting with um, someone um, on this campus with um, with a like a they're a service, um, a faith-based service organization, we'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about how some students really struggle in terms of like even being able to afford where they live or, you know, eating. Um, so what, um, what are some real struggles that people may not be thinking about that haven't had that lived experience themselves? Yeah. In the past few months, I've heard a lot about food insecurity on campus. Um, something like 41% of U of M students are food insecure. And people think that, you know, it's only an issue that lower income students struggle with, but it's really students from all socioeconomic backgrounds um, because Ann Arbor is a food desert. And so it's hard for us to get fresh, affordable produce without, you know, taking a bus or commuting to Meijer. Um, so that's, that's a struggle that I think crosses all sorts of economic boundaries. Um, 
that and the price of rent in Ann Arbor is going up. Um, Yeah, it is. So friends, just to get you on board, um, food insecurity, and I just did a Google search, um, is the state of being without reliable access to a sufficient quantity of affordable, nutritious food. And so it looks like more than 80 million people live every day with hunger or food insecurity as their constant companion. And so when you think about the University of Michigan um, and that 41% of students are unsure of where um, their food, like nutritious food, affordable food will be coming, there is hopefully a greater sense of empathy and compassion around that because what we know and studies have shown that when we're hungry, I mean, what's a word that has kind of come out of this, um, and it's kind of humorous, but it's really not, it's hangry, you know, when you're so hungry that you now shifted to hungry and angry. Um, But it's hard to concentrate, it's hard to do your best work when you're hungry. And if you are taking any level class at the University of Michigan or any school in this state or in this country um, or even overseas, you know, it's, it's not a good position to be in to be hungry um, while you're studying, while you're preparing for exams or papers, that sort of thing. So it's something to um, really consider and take under advisement. Um, and there are opportunities all over this um, the city of Ann Arbor, but anywhere you are, if you're listening, um, there are food pantries that you would just have to check to see what their donation um, acceptable, you know, what's acceptable in terms of donation. Clothing, same thing. Um, but if you have a little bit more, um, or maybe if you can afford it to add a little bit more to your cart so that you can drop at a food pantry, because there are churches, there are I want to believe there are, you know, mosques or temples um, that would collect that food and would provide it um, equitably to people who need it. So that's just something that you can do. Um, It's a call to action. And it's something that I'm going to think about myself when I go to the market is like, can I get a little bit extra so I can drop it off at a pantry somewhere so that someone who needs it can can get it Um, because we're all very, very connected. Let's see, thinking of a couple more things. Um, We've talked about, you know, cultural access, some privilege. Lauren, what's your definition of privilege? I would say um, a set of unearned advantages that one has. And do you feel like that's based on some of their identity, um, like memberships to certain identities? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it is. It's rooted in identity. Okay. And what, if any, and I'm going to go after you, what, (laughs) if any, privileges do you experience? I, I'm white. um, And that's, that's the big one, I think, especially in this work. Um, And that's something that my friend Griffin and I, who's also a white woman, have kind of had to reflect on as you know, people have reached out to talk to us and interview us and, and put our pictures in newspapers. Um, why are we getting this attention and why are students on campus who do incredible work and have been doing it for a while, um, why aren't they getting that kind of attention? Um, 
I'm thinking particularly of like Students for Justice, um, Black Student Union when they had the Being Black at U of M campaign, um, La Casa, which serves Latinx students, you know, why aren't they being featured in newspapers when they have entire organizations devoted to empowering and serving and advocating for their communities? Totally. Um, and as someone who has reached out to you, um, I reached out to you because you were the name that was in the article that I read. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even hear, you know, or see another name in there. Um, and I just felt like it was important to not talk about it, but talk with the person that helped spearhead it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're, I mean, you raise a great point. It's similar to what happened in Florida, the school shooting and who has emerged as, you know, ad advocates, um, the students that you see interviewed all the time um, are the same students. Right. They look, um, a certain way and they've they've expressed themselves concerns around the fact that they're white and other students of color um, that have significant um, things to say have not been approached in the same um, numbers that they have so it is definitely something to consider um, so I will speak about my privilege because this is a conversation and it's not just about putting you on the spot mm -hmm. so my privilege is I'm from Ann Arbor and I'm part of that top 20%, you know, when I was a student here, um, because it doesn't really count what my parents make now <laughs> when I'm a full fledged adult. But at the time I was a student, um, they were doing very well. Um, both my parents have PhDs. They didn't at the time my dad did. Um, but my mom had a master's degree, you know, and they both um, had that experience, even though they were immigrants. So there's, um, and then some, I would say, uh, social capital, or um, you called it cultural capital, this, you know, thing where you can kind of move in between different groups, um, seamlessly, but not quite, because Another part of my identity is that I'm a woman, and another part is that I'm Nigerian American, and so um, I'm a black woman, and you know, and usually the only person in many circles, and so there's that piece too. So, friends, it's important to you know pause and really be realistic um, in terms of what we bring to the table, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and acknowledging what is. Um, as best that we can and having a seat or several if need be reading a book or several if need be um, to get on board with what's going on around us um, you know because we'll make mistakes um, and when I get called out on them those that helps me grow so much more and being aware um, and then asking questions has so has been so important so Lauren, as we are wrapping up our time together, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, you're done with school though. You're not taking summer classes? I am done with school. Okay, yes. good. I'm, I'm currently at home in Warren. Okay, good, good. Um, so anything um, that you feel is important for listeners to hear from you? Um, I, I think as I go into my last year of undergrad, um, I 
have sort of turned this energy and the sense of community that I've gotten from our guide um, into an organization um, called the Michigan Affordability and Advocacy Coalition. And we will be working on affordability and access issues um, next year and hopefully in the years to come, even after I'm gone. Um, and it's something that um, I really want to build coalition around and build community around. And so um, just knowing that, you know, the, the guide is a great jumping off point for a lot of these bigger conversations. Awesome. So Lauren, I'll have you um, send me information about that mm -hmm. so that um, I can include that in the show notes. And then do you all, are you operating as a nonprofit? Is it a school organization? We're a student org. Student org. Okay. All right. Perfect. Now, I don't know the rules around student orgs anymore, but if someone felt compelled to donate money, could they do that? Could they give you all a gift or a donation? I don't think so. I think okay. we can only get money from university grants. Okay. All right. Good to know. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much for spending time with me and the people who are going to listen to this podcast when it goes live. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. All right, friends. So I have a story um, out of Sydney, Australia, and it appears to be a middle-aged man, and it says, or he's saying, I'm not looking to set the world on fire, but I need something to challenge me. It feels like I'm reaching a critical juncture and I need to make some sort of decision. Up until now, I've I've just been floating along. I've been at the same job for a long time. I do the same things day in, day out. Smoking, drinking, things like that. It's just so easy to be a consumer. It's so easy to reach for pleasure and avoid pain so that you never have to face the future or think about getting old. I don't have anything elaborate in mind. Maybe just get out more or move to a new place. Maybe have my son live with me for a while. I just want to prove that I can set a course and do the things I say I'm going to do. Or if I can't, I at least want to want to be honest with myself so I can stop beating myself up about it. So I don't know if that was very inspiring, but Lauren, you're very inspiring and you are definitely helping to set the world on fire and having these important conversations. So I applaud you and the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Of course. So friends, thank you so much for supporting this podcast. If you are interested in for supporting it uh, financially, patreon.com forward slash the type A hippie. And let's see, I don't think there are any announcements. Um, I can't believe we're creeping up to episode 100. There'll be a surprise for that episode. And for now, I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I'm in that place in me, there is only one of us. So I hope you have a gratitude-filled rest of your day. My name is Chidema, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, Cheekass Episode 93. Namaste.